we are officially live with the first episode of Failure.TV. My uh, guest today is Nikita Prokhorov. He is a graphic designer, a hand lettering artist, ambigramist, an author, skydiver, a wing walker. He is the pun master and now soon going to be an educator as well uh, full time. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. Uh, you forgot one thing. I'm also a licensed scuba diver. Oh, that's right. You are also a licensed scuba diver. I totally forgot about that. You do so much different things. It's uh, simply amazing. I don't know if it's amazing or just like to waste my time and waste my money, but it's one of those things. Whatever <laughs> it gives me pleasure, right? Oh, it's yeah. a blast. Absolutely. I love every second of it. And that's exactly what it needs to be. So um, why don't you give uh, everybody a little uh, quick bio about yourself. Tell us uh, who you are, where you came from, how you got where you are, and what you're doing next. Well, uh, I got to where I am through many, many failures and a couple of successes even. Um, I've been a freelancing designer or freelance designer for 14, 15 years. I taught college level graphic design for four years. Uh, now I just live in New York. I uh, work at a company here, a company there, and I just landed a full time teaching job. So I'll be a teacher as of next week. And a teacher again. Yeah, teacher again. Well, no, first time I was a professor because of work for a university. This time it's a slightly different institution. So I don't have the fancy title of professor, I'm just a teacher, which is just as good. <laughs> well, technically, professor is just a you know a, a synonym for teacher. So um, I'll I'll call you Professor X for now. All right, well, Professor Nikita sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And uh, our topic is going to be failure. I have worn my awesome "Failure Is My Homeboy" shirt, which uh, the layout design was actually done by a friend of yours, Kirk Visola. Yep, uh, very talented guy. To, turn it into a t-shirt. Uh, I wore it in Chicago when I went down to the How Design Live conference, which is a little bit of how we know each other is uh, yep. the How Design Live and uh, one of our friends through there. And um, we want to talk about failure. Now, this doesn't indicate that you're a failure or I'm a failure, but as people, we suffer failure and we fear failure and we need to overcome that fear of failure. Because if we look back at any of the big successes uh, throughout time, um, all the successful people have embraced failure in order to move forward. And a quote that I've got on the website that I absolutely love is from Thomas Edison. And when he created he? Uh, the, the light bulb guy. Oh, that guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking to a reporter um, who asked him about failing a thousand times when building the light bulb. And he said something along the lines of, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just built a light bulb with a thousand steps. And it's such a great way to <laughs> look at really, Right? Like, Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. It, it, it's not a failure. It's a learning experiment. Uh, James Dyson, the guy that created the awesome vacuum, went through something like 3,000 prototypes before he got it right. Like. These people took a lot of time and effort at failing before they succeeded. I don't and know about the James Dyson guy. I think his vacuums kind of suck. <laughs> they absolutely that's suck. Absolutely do. <laughs> hey, that's what they're supposed to do, and that's perfect. Well, good. So, he his objective that he did not fail. Exactly. Exactly. And now he's got one of the best vacuum lines, fan lines, even the new hairdryer line uh, that's rocking it. So I hope the hairdryer does the opposite things of the vacuum, or else he really failed at that. <laughs> Yes, it does. And yeah, so uh, let's let's talk about failure because I want to hopefully inspire some people that are currently afraid of some type of failure or worried about starting something out because it might possibly fail. I've been there myself. I'm sure you've been there as well. 
and hopefully through failure.tv, we can inspire some people to go through with whatever it is that they really want to do and become a success. So how, as a graphic designer, how, how would you define failure? Well, I mean, if you want the textbook definitions, failure is failing to meet your objective, your goal that you're uh, reaching for. That's, that's a textbook, more or less a dictionary definition, but I don't think you want that. Uh, it's hard to define failure in a, in a box or in a very specific way because failure is different to everyone. Um, if you go from a graphic design standpoint, if you look at work ethic, for example, uh, people have different levels of work ethic and what someone may consider a success in terms of a lettering piece or logo piece or branding element or package design, I may not necessarily consider it a success because I set my personal standards that are much higher. So failure isn't 100% definable you know, as black and white. Failure has a lot of a gray area. And besides, if you fail and you learn from it, then that's a kind of like a catch-22. Can you say that it's a failure because it's still added to your experience, it still gave you a positive outcome on some level, and you turned that failure into something good. So can you really say that failure can, can be defined precisely? No, I don't think it can. Exactly uh, my thoughts, and that's uh, kind of what prompted me to start this. Um, I've actually been talking about doing this show for quite a while now, uh, at least two years, and I finally got out of my own way and um, said, "Screw it! I, I just got to start, and I got to I got to build the website. I got to book the time. I got to book the guests and uh, get started." And I know we had talked about this last year, um, just after uh, I had uh, done my big move there about possibly starting, and you know, some people would consider that a failure that I didn't actually start it last year when. I, I thought I would, but you know, with everything else going on at that time, yeah, I just didn't think it would be the best time to to start something like that that I couldn't follow through on properly. So, well, you know what? If you if you started back then and you failed, it would have been just another great topic for the future uh, for the future podcast, future live stream. So, oh, absolutely. But who would interview me on that? I got I got to get another host to <laughs> to interview me because I could be my own guest. <laughs> Well, maybe if you put a mirror in front of a camera, you could have kind of an inception thing going where you can interview yourself. Yeah. Now, when you're looking at failure um, or non-failure, do you believe that your outlook on failure will play a part in how successful you can become? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's several different ways that people react to failure. Some people, you know, they curl up in a ball and they cry for, you know, for as long as they can. And some people cry for half an hour, hour and then they uh, kind of gather their bits and pieces, put them in a bag and go get, uh, go reach their objective and get done and finish what they needed to finish initially because that a failure and they use it as a springboard, that enables them to be that much more successful and to get things done either that much quicker in a different manner or when they're in a different outcome. Because if you, let's say you're reaching this high uh, with your first objective and you fail, that next time after you fail, it will prompt you not to reach this high, but even higher. So failure in a way can be, you know, it's a springboard and it helps define your success because it can propel you forward. But that all depends on how you react to the failure and also how epic the failure is. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when you're talking about those epic failures versus the, the little mini failures, um, do you think that your your reaction and how you deal with that failure would be different if you're the only one that knows about that failure? With, failure, whether it's a small failure or a huge failure, 
or if it's a more of a public thing where it's done at like work and some of your coworkers know or some of your friends know about it. Um, the, does that change your reaction to it and how you're going to deal with that failure or just uh, how you react to it in like a private versus public sense? Well, my first comment is I think you should get a counter and click it every time you or your guest says the word failure and see how many times you actually say it in the course of one podcast or one interview. And that's my first answer to that question. Uh, so my second uh, my second thought is um, I don't mind getting embarrassed in general. I don't get embarrassed easily. So if someone finds out about my failure, it's for me personally, it's not a huge deal because I learned from it. You know, even from the sarcastic jabs that people may take at you if you display your failure publicly, that's fine because it's a learning experience and it helps you laugh at yourself. And you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Uh, I laugh at my own mistakes and I can, most of the time I can admit them. And I share my success or my failures publicly you know, with our design friends and my personal friends. So my failures, unless they're really, really awful, and detrimental to my own ego, usually they're pretty, they're out there in the open in some way or another. So my reaction is, not that different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just the way I am. I can laugh at myself and you know, most of the time everybody else laughs at me so I just kind of go along with the flow and join them in the laughter. Absolutely. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize if they do post stuff publicly because a lot of people, because they're already a feel fear of failure will not go public. So if, if it is something that they've done in private, they won't tell anybody about it. But I think on the flip side of that, being able to go public with it. Yes, it's definitely a lot more nerve wracking, but it can also help you turn that failure into a success because now you're getting feedback from others as well. And especially in an industry like graphic design, like the input from other designers on things that you could have done better or other things that you have never thought of before can, can be huge. And I, I do the same thing when I do web design is I'll, I'll seed it out to a bunch of friends of mine first that I know are good designers. They know like user experience, they know mobile first design stuff. I'll send them over and be like, you know, test it out, tell me what you think. And then they'll tell me everything that's wrong with it. And I know I can trust <laughs> them to, to be honest with that as well. Good, fr good friends to have, good friends to have, definitely. Absolutely. Well, and, I'll give you a quick, I can give you a quick example of a non-design failure that I learned from quite a lot. Um, all right. So my, if you, do we have time for that? Absolutely. All right, so my fourth skydive ever, fourth or fifth, it was a jump that I had to repeat two times because I, some things I did wrong, some things I didn't do in time. Everything, obviously everything turned out okay, but there's certain progressions, certain tasks you have to complete. So I repeated the jump a third time, jumped out of the plane with the two instructors, you know, side by side, neck holding me, did all my maneuvers, flips, everything was great, fantastic. Opened up the parachute on time, as you can obviously tell. Uh, <laughs> And after parachute open, I was so ecstatic, I just started playing around, twisting and turning, doing some twists. And I kind of forgot that before you start playing around in the sky, you have to head back towards a general landing area, you know, where, where you should land. And by the time I, and usually if you have a radio and they teach you don't depend on the radio. And I was so excited about the jump going well, I kind of forgot about, forgot about it because I heard nothing from the radio. And by the time I realized that I was, two or three miles away. So I started heading back towards the drop zone, where you, sky, where you jump from, or where you land. And then I realized, I'm not gonna make it there because I'm too low and it's too far away and I'm gonna have to find an alternate landing area. So I found an alternate landing area, which turned out to be a field that was completely enclosed by trees, with some <laughs> farmer's field. You know, and when you're looking at it from you know, 1,000 or 2,000, 3,000 feet, you can see, oh, okay, there's a trail there, there's a road there. All right, I see that, okay, perfect. I'm gonna land there and walk out this way. 
once you land in the field and you have trees 40 or 50 feet above you, it's kind of hard to see where the hell are you going. Oh, yeah. Uh, so bottom line is I landed successfully. I, nothing bad happened except my radio person uh, who was on the radio who gave me a very dirty look as she drove by me in the car when she was looking for me. Um, and my failure was that I obviously I didn't just land two miles away from where I was supposed to, but I became dependent on the radio. And the radio was actually, they checked it in the plane, it was working fine, but somewhere between the jump and the, me opening the parachute, the batteries disconnected and went dead. So that's why I didn't hear anything from it. So that's why I landed two miles away. That's why I got dirty looks. And that's why the video, the videographer, who, uh, who's a buddy of mine, he's a great guy, a couple weeks later, he gave me a framed aerial print of the drop zone so I can never get lost again. <laughs> that, that's awesome. And, and, yeah, and you learned something very good uh, from that, which is uh, absolutely don't, don't always depend on the technology. And I think that's something everybody needs to realize, especially today, because we are so reliant on technology. And if mm -hmm. the technology fails, we are so lost. Uh, like I remember back when I was in high school, I had a delivery job. And I had like a thick map, like all folded up in my car, oh. with a flashlight and everything, like super powerful flashlights. So when I'm doing deliveries in the dark, I'm like trying to find those tiny letters on the houses that never seem to be by the light or otherwise illuminated <laughs> or anywhere where you can see it. So, you know, trying to do that today, if somebody's phone fails, you know, all of a sudden they're so lost and they've got no idea where to go or what to do. So I'm, yeah. I'm getting quite a kick out of a picture, a mental image of you shining your flashlight into people's houses when it's dark outside. And I'm trying to figure out what they may be thinking. And that's putting a smile on my face right now, I have to say. Well, um, that actually should because um, my dad um, was a volunteer policeman at the time. So I borrowed his flashlight. And his flashlight was one of those like super powered ones. So oh, I definitely man. had people like looking out their windows because I'm shining this bright ass light as I'm driving down the road looking for the numbers. People looking out like, what's going on? Are the cops here? Am I getting busted for something? So oh, it's funny. It, definitely a, a funny scenario. And uh, I always, uh, I learned from that as well, you know, try and figure out the, the, the route beforehand. And I always do that these days you know, both on Google Maps and I'll have it on my phone as well. But if my phone fails, at least I've reviewed the map and where I'm going ahead of time to, to try and avoid that failure because sometimes Google Maps sends us in, in the wrong spots as well. And oh, yeah. I've unfortunately <laughs> run into that uh, more than once. So I always uh, try and figure that out ahead of time. And if I'm not sure, I phone somebody. I'm like, hey, I'm going over to you now. <laughs> Where? What's What's the best way to go here? <laughs> Come find me. Come get me in your car. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm flashing my really bright flashlight. Come and find me. <laughs> Morse code. <laughs> long period, long period, short period, short period. Save yeah. me. SOS. <laughs> exactly. See, that one I, I've known for, for quite a while. So uh, I will always remember SOS. And uh, if, I, if I ever need it, hopefully, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully I oh. <laughs> reviewed the... Uh, <laughs> reviewed the map ahead of time and don't get lost. Let's hope so, because if you get lost, then we will not be doing any more of these podcasts, I guess. Yeah, that that would that would be a big failure on my part, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and so we, we've talked quite a bit about failure, um, but failure, I believe, is the stepping stone to success. And you'll find lots of quotes and uh, 
inspirational talks and everything like that, um, talking about how you can use failure in, in order to succeed. So I wanted to ask as well, where do your standards of success come from? Like what, and what do you consider a success? Uh, well, I'll be honest. I, well, first of all, when people say they'll be honest, usually they're lying. So let me rephrase that. Um, I don't think I'm successful just yet because my standard of success, um, it's, it's different. Um, in different senses, for me, success isn't defined necessarily by money or titles. Uh, for me, success is, and probably for others as well, is defined by doing good work, you know, doing great, not just good work, doing great work and having happy clients. And whether you do that as a freelance art director or a creative director at some fancy big-wig advertising firm or whether you're working uh, in the basement or whether you're working for a small two-person boutique agency, it doesn't matter right, to me because as long as you're doing good work and clients are happy, that's, that's a pretty good measure of success. Um, in terms of my goals where I thought my career and my, my success, quote-unquote, would be by now, I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm working on taking the steps to get there, of course. Um, as far as my standards, uh, oh boy, that's a tricky question. Um, so I start with my family. My mom, my grandma, my grandpa. My grandpa was an architect and a painter. Uh, he was a professor of architecture in Russia. And this was back you know, 50, 60 years ago when you could be politically incorrect and you can tell people what you think and they wouldn't get offended. Or they wouldn't yeah. go crying to the dean or wouldn't go crying to their mommy or daddy. So he was as strict as they came. He was an unbelievable professor, of unbelievable architect, amazing painter. And just the amount, the wealth of knowledge that was in his head was beyond, beyond reason. It's like there were three or four different brains in his head and each one contributed something different, something new. So his standards for his own work were high and I saw him build all his architectural models and draw all his sketches. And he, you know, he actually has a couple of design logos that he created just because he could. He was so damn talented. And I still have those sketches at home. Um, that's my grandpa. My grandma, uh, she was a psychiatrist. And she was extremely intelligent and intellectual and well-educated. Her standards for you know, personal relationships and professional relationships and just in general as a person were very high. And then there's my mother, who was a children's psychiatrist as well. So you know, two psychiatrists on one side. So I'm, I'm in real trouble over here. Yeah. Um, she, her standards for herself are, you know, beyond where you can see the screen. And her standards are like that for herself first and foremost, and then for other people. But unfortunately, she lives up to those standards, so then other people have to live up to them as well. And that's sometimes a problem because they are that high. But she's talking a lot about, you know, respecting my own work and setting standards for my own work and not being satisfied with something that's mediocre, whether it's something as simple as being in shape and staying fit or my relationships with friends or coworkers or other family members or just my professional work itself. Mm -hmm. And also I see a lot of amazing work every single day. I, I do my type of design research you know, a couple hours, probably every week at least. And I always see work that I think is so far above what I've been doing, what I've ever done, or maybe what I'll ever do. And I always take that into account. So when I see someone's work who's a lot better than mine, uh, rather than be jealous and think, oh, I wish I could draw like them, I try to learn from them, I try to figure out how they got to that point and what they, what steps they took. And sometimes with someone I know, I'll reach out to them and say, hey, uh, that piece that you did, uh, that's fantastic. How did you come up with that? And I try to learn from it rather than be jealous that someone else is at a certain level of success that's much higher than my own. So does that kind of answer the question or not at all? Uh, absolutely, <laughs> and uh, above and beyond. And you, you did bring up some really great points in that as well. Um, you had mentioned that um, the, the way people consider themselves a success is different based on that person. Like some people will 
have a standard where their success level is money or status or power. And um, that brings up a whole other area of discussion in that, um, do you think that when people strive to succeed in those different ways, like whether they're going for like a personal level or money or status or power, because I'm the same way as you, like uh, my, my definition, definition of success does not include massive wealth. Like, you know, uh, I'm not going to turn it away if it comes with it, but you know, that's, that's not the deciding factor for me. I don't think anybody would. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on what you're going for. I just think uh, I could do a lot more good with money, but you know, that's, that's also not my, my standard of success. But do you think that um, success and failure is different um, for like, like the outcome of success and failure, if you are going for, different areas like that if you're going for money or if you're going for power do you think that that failure or success will will change how people kind of deal with the failures and successes i don't know if it does or not because in the end uh let's say i define success as having you know fortune 1000 clients or 200 clients and doing a different letter piece every single day and with clients loving it and for example for yours let's say someone else success is having seven or eight figures in their bank account that's still their own individual levels of success and how they get there, you know, even though it's a different journey, different goal, the journey, well, the journey is different in some aspects because different people, different context, but on some levels it's still the same because here's the success, here's where you are, you want to get there, whether money is up here or personal relationships or having a great list of clients, it's still success no matter if you go to it with a roundabout way and you get to it with a little twist, you go straight up, it's still success, no matter what you, uh, no matter how, no matter what you call it. It's still success, and you still get there. And I yeah. think the failure is regardless. You know, if you try to land a ten million dollar client as a salesperson, you fail. You still fail. It still stinks. If I deliver work to a client and they say it's no good and they fire me as a designer, it's success, that's that's failure. That still stings. But we all learn from it. Hopefully, we'll learn from it. <laughs> Yes, and I, I really like something that you mentioned in there as well. You were talking about the the journey, and that made me think of a, a whole other way of looking at this as well. Um, would you consider um, a success the journey or the destination? Uh, yes. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. Um, well, both because the journey, if the in my mind, if the journey ends with a failure, if you learn from the failure, the journey is still a success. But if you go through a journey and you get to the success part, you get to it quicker, you still learn from both. It's just a more positive outcome, at least for the time being. Because if you do, if you take one journey and you end in failure, you learn from the steps, you learn from the mistakes you make, and then the next journey could be longer, could be much shorter based on what you learn. And if that ends a success and the previous failure was in a way a success as well. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more with, with that, actually. Um, that's pretty much ex exactly along the, the lines of, of what I was thinking for that. So that, that came awesome. And that's actually, I think I'm going to work that into the uh, general questioning for future guests as well, because it's something I, I didn't think of before and uh, stemmed right out of this conversation. So we, right. we got at least one success from the uh, first podcast already. <laughs> right, well, maybe we should fail the next topic because, you know, you don't want to be too successful and let it go through our heads, you know? <laughs> That's right. Well, if this, uh, if this completely crapped out on me and everything else, you know, that, that would have been a big failure and I would have considered that a success because then I could have shown in the second episode how to recover from that first failure. All right, well, good. It's something to keep in the back of your mind then. Absolutely. Um, so 
we were talking earlier about people like James Dyson and uh, Thomas Edison. Yeah. Uh, there's also like uh, another big um, celebrity that talks a lot about failure is um, Michael Jordan. And he has a commercial uh, on failure and he's basically talking about like all the missed goals he made and, you know, all the times that he thought he failed, but learn from goals. it to, to move forward. Um, yeah. I believe in basketball, they call it baskets, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big tomato. sports guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're and, from Canada and you're not a big sports guy. You know, that whole hockey thing that's played there, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. I, 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 I take a lot of credit for that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm starting to watch football now. So, um, as a Canadian, I'm, I'm oh, getting into I'm football, sorry. and yeah, I'm, I'm getting really a lot of slack for that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll forgive you for that. It's all right. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, a couple other notable celebrities are like um, Oprah Winfrey. Um, she was told at, at one point in her career that she would never be a host on television and she ended up being obviously one of the biggest hosts in in the world and so they have taken their failures and they succeeded from them and i wanted to know do you have any examples of your own where you've you know failed at the same thing multiple times but then finally succeeded and were able to to move forward on that on that one thing well one of the biggest failures i've had um, that i recovered from the next time around was my graduate school reviews and I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, which is a pretty good school in uh, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. And the way that they run the school is uh, whether you're a graduate or undergraduate, you have a panel of professors that review your work after a certain point. Just to sum it up, you pick 10 to 12 of your best projects, you line it up in a room, you set it up however you want. They come in, they talk about it, and they kick you out, they talk about you and the work, and then once they're done, they call you and tell you whether they passed you or not. And if they passed you, great, that you go on. And if they fail you, you have 10 weeks, which is their standard quarter length, to redo the work as per their recommendations, you know, taking with a grain of salt, of course. And then you get the same panel to review your work again. And if you fail the second time in a row, then you get kicked out of school for a year. And then after a year, you have to write an essay pretty much explaining why you deserve to be led back into the program, how you've improved your design, educate your knowledge, what kind of work have you done. You know, just basically you're, it's glorified begging Essentially, that's what I, that's what I call it. Um, and my first review, my graduate school review, I was there for grad school. I failed it. I failed it miserably because I had a swelled head. I thought my work was amazing. And it, it doesn't matter that I had a panel of five of the hardest teachers in the department. I just got that lucky. But they failed me. And a couple, this was like 11 in the morning. At night, I was this close to formatting my computer and essentially erasing all my digital work. Uh, throwing all my printed work in the garbage, packing up my, uh, packing up my uh, all my belongings into my uh, Forerunner, and driving back home to Connecticut, which is 970 miles, give or take, in the middle of the night, and then taking a couple of weeks off, and then enrolling in something like accounting or math at a nearby college, just something Ooh. completely different. I was. Well, I, I didn't was, do that. <laughs> no, obviously I didn't. But I also we wouldn't be talking. Um, but I came very close to doing that because I just it was such a spectacular failure. Um, I almost didn't recover from it. But I decided, thankfully, I, I pushed my hand back from formatting the computer, from pouring coffee, and you know, whatever I was deciding to do at the time. Um, you know, this was right before spring break, so I took about 10 days off, didn't do anything, no design work, just relaxed, completely emptied my mind, and then I went back to work after a week. I should have probably gone back to work after a day or so, but I took a little bit longer. And my next quarter, I passed reviews of the same team. They said I improved greatly. It was, obviously, it was a huge relief. Uh, 
And I think that if I passed, now that I look back on my work, that I submitted that first review, had I passed with that level of work, I would have stayed right here instead of going up to here or up to here or wherever the hell I am now. But failing that and seeing my work through a different set of eyes and being told that my work is, some of them said I was crap, some of them said, oh, you can change this and this. So the feedback was ranged from really harsh and brutal to something that wasn't sugar-coated, but was put a little bit nicer than your work sucks. Uh, so if had, had that not happened, my work would not be where it was, and possibly I would not even be doing design work anymore. So that's, that's pretty much my biggest design failure, I think, that I've had so far. Yeah, that, that's that's an amazing story for, for something like that. And a lot of people don't realize that, especially like in college and university, that when you do stuff like that, that that can actually happen in real life as well. Because sometimes you've got to present to like a board of directors or something like that. And one of the big problems that you're going to face with that in the graphic design world, um, because I've done the same thing with uh, web design, is that they don't understand design and you could make one of the most amazing things that people in the design world have ever seen and your client whether that's your boss or a freelance client can be like that's total crap i don't like it start from scratch uh, give me something brand new and it's just oh yeah it could be totally heartbreaking but it can also help you better understand the client and the client's needs and trying to move forward and ask better questions or to, to try and flesh out their idea um, to, to make it what they want. But yeah, having, and having that feedback's huge. And it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you go through multiple rounds of failure, you finally get it. But sometimes you just don't and you have to learn how to live with it. Yeah. Well, there there's definitely been some things because uh, I am not – a very good logo designer. I never have been. Um, I've made a couple really nice ones that I that I like. I know I know there's a couple I've made that that you've hated, but they, they were quick and oh, dirty. Hold on, and hold on, hold on. Hate is a strong word. Um, I would hate a dictator who murdered millions of people, but your logos are maybe I loathe them or despise them slightly. Not exactly hate. It's a strong. Okay, word. well that that's that's much better then. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I do take that and into consideration when come, trying to come up with something new, but a lot of times I will also, um, if it's something that I, I need and I'm not comfortable doing it and I don't think it's at least a basic decent, then I will accept my failure on that and, and move on and let somebody else that I know can take that above and beyond what I could. And I think that's a huge thing to know too is, is your own limitations and to not consider them a failure if if you do hit something on a limitation because there's so many different people with so many different experiences and like accounting and math i am terrible at like <laughs> i have an accountant I, I suck at math and i have no problem putting that onto a professional <laughs> and being like you know what you're doing i trust you to to make the right decisions yeah. and um uh, i just I, i've learned over the years that that's that's not a failure. That's that's allowing me to focus more on the things where I do excel rather than the things where I don't excel, and it, it makes my life easier. I think. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I do the same thing with WordPress and website building. I can build a basic website, install a theme. I can hack it. I can cut and paste some PHP, figure out where something is supposed to be or not supposed to be. But when I break it, and I break it severely. I call one of my buddies who's well-versed in code and PHP and WordPress, et cetera, and they fix it in about three minutes, and I just sit here scratching my head. I said, hold on, I, I broke this in about an hour. I tried to figure it out for about a day, and you fix it in about five minutes. But that's not a failure on my part. It's just not what I do. 
Yeah, it's exactly. like same thing, same thing with sports. You know, some people excel at different sports not because they're horrible at the one they're horrible at, but it's just because maybe their body is not built that way, or they don't have the hand-eye coordination. It doesn't mean they're athletically bad or they're athletically horrible. It just means they're more suitable for certain athletic functions rather than others. You know, so it's and same, and same with design. You know, I love lettering. I love topography. I have an eye for it. I don't like. I don't. I don't. Shouldn't say I don't like it. I haven't done web design and coding long enough and serious enough to consider myself even a beginner. I'm more than less than a beginner in that. But it's just because something I I never did a lot. And had I done a lot, maybe I'd be an expert coder like yourself. But I'm not, and that's okay because then I, I can call someone else and say, "Hey, help me with this." And like I said, they can do it in five minutes rather than me sitting there for five days trying to figure it out. So. Yeah. And, and that brings up uh, another really good question. What, what is something that that you sh that you took on, at, but you should have said no to? Um, in the sense of uh, professional projects, or in the sense of some kind of human interaction, or in the Actually, sense? E either or. Um, uh, you know, if it could have been a professional project where maybe you uh, shouldn't have said no, or sh should have said no and shouldn't have taken it on, but did anyway, or or something personal. I can't think of a specific project, but there have been a couple of times in my life where I was busy, which is amazing because I always think I'm never busy. But when I was busy and I take on an extra project because it's something that I love doing or because it's such a nice chunk of change that I can't say no to that. And I guarantee that at times the productivity or the speed with which I complete one another project has suffered. I mean, in the end, uh, you know, I do, speaking of standards, I do what is needed if I have to go a couple hours over, more than a couple hours over billable time, or I have to stay up later to finish a project, or I have to sacrifice, you know, an outing with friends or a tennis game to get work done, I'll do it. It's not the optimal scenario, it's not the best scenario, but uh, I'll do it anyway. So uh, I do what needs to be done, and sometimes taking on too many projects or doing too many personal projects and spreading yourself too thin is not, is not a good option, because something somewhere in the line is going to suffer, whether it's other projects, whether it's your own health, whether it's your own Sanity, which I don't know how many designers have sanity left, but you know, if there are a few of you out there, hi, enjoy your sanity because I don't have too much of it left. Yeah, I, I lost my sanity long ago, but you know, it, it, it's kind of more fun this way from from time to time. And yep. uh, <laughs> you, you brought up a, another good point actually uh, when when talking about that. And when when people are are working on stuff. Do you think they have to be willing to go that extra mile? Like, do you think you can become a success doing something on the side, like having a side hustle going? So you're working that nine to five, and you're just doing the the side hustle as well. Do you do you think that that you can succeed in in that way as well if you're willing to put in all that extra time and effort, or do you think you can do it with just uh, a little bit of minimal effort uh, on the side as well? Well, I don't know if anyone can get away with nimble anything unless they're extremely talented and they can draw you know, with our eyes closed and both hands tied behind their back. Um, I think it's always, I think it's almost always important to go that extra mile, whether in this personal profession, whether you're doing a favor for a friend and going out of the way, or whether you're putting an extra two or three hours into redrawing just that one curve of the logo or a certain typographic element or putting another couple hours to shading and texturing and illustration. I think it's important. I mean, like I said, it's different for everyone. I can sit there for hours and finesse a lettering piece where someone else is looking at it said, dude, what are you doing? Come out for a drink with us. This thing is perfect. There's no, nothing left to do. I'll say, well, you see that curve is off by half a degree. I need to fix that. Uh, that's, personal, that's personal standards. Uh, it's, like I said, it's different for everyone. 
the standards are different for everyone. But I think it always helps to go the extra mile because A, it's evident in your work, B, you feel more positive about it, and if you have good clients that care about your work and respect your work, they'll see that as well. Absolutely. How do, you, how, do you feel, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's important to go the extra mile, or can people kind of skate by or get away if they're extremely talented or they know really well what they're doing? Well, to be honest, I, I've actually seen it both ways. Like, I, I have seen people that have succeeded um, that do, like, the bare minimums. They just do what they're supposed to do to get by, and they still end up succeeding. Um, I've seen people succeed because of who they know, uh, not what they know, and they're not necessarily doing the best job. But in, in the long run, just they don't seem to be, like, the happiest people that they could be. Uh, they don't seem content with life. They, they don't seem content with themselves. And I am also one of those people that will go above and beyond in so many different scenarios. Like I've, I can't count the number of times I've worked late or helped other people after I've already done work and just doing that above and beyond to get that extra satisfaction in because it, I think it says something to other people about you and who you are, uh, to know that even when it's not necessary, you're going to go above and beyond wherever you can. And I think that my work has been made better because of that, because you'll see something and then you'll, you'll want to fix it. But on the other side of that, I do also see um, where, because it, I don't think anything can ever be perfect, like especially in the design world. You can always <laughs> be tweaking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and you know, trying to strive for that perfection, you know, always makes you a better person on different things that you can create. But you know, it's got to be released at some point. And especially with like web design, um, there there's a bit of a saying in in the whole startup industry where uh, done is better than perfect. And you know, getting it out there in front of people. Is, is one of the big things. And while I do agree with that, you know, after that, after you've got it out, you can always tweak it after, unless it is something like a, like a logo or something that is gonna be used for branding. Yeah. You can't really tweak that after unless you do like uh, a refresh of the logo a couple of years later or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I have to say that as much as I love going beyond, above and beyond the call of duty, you know, just, not just for the sake of the work with my own personal standards, if I work at a place that doesn't appreciate the time and the effort that's put it down, not just by me, but other people. That's the type of place that I would probably consciously say, okay, I did the work. This is what you requested me. It's good enough. You don't respect my time. You don't respect anybody else's time here. That's as far as I'm going to go. And I don't think there's anything wrong. I, honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking objectively at a situation and saying, okay, these, uh, the, these people don't respect my work much or they think they know better even though they hired me specifically for the role. Well, if they think they know better, then I'll just do exactly what they ask, and I'm not going to apply my certain level of standards or ethics. Because in that case, I firmly believe it's a waste of time. Because they're never going to appreciate that above and beyond. They're never going to look at it and say, well, I can see that the person took the extra steps. They stay after a couple of extra hours. And when I go above and beyond, I don't do it to get recognition. Because most of the clients that I work with, they'll never know that I spent, you know, two or three hours extra in the project or a couple of days. Well, maybe after this podcast, they'll know uh, if they ever see it. But... Uh, Usually people don't know, and I do it because it's my own level of ethics and morals and standards and just my respect for my own work. Uh, but if it's a place that doesn't appreciate that, then I'm consciously not willing to do it because I'd rather spend my time doing my own personal work and putting my time and effort into that. Do you, do you, agree, with, do you agree with that? Or? I, I do agree with that. And one thing that I was going to add to that is um, uh, a lot of people will, will tend to take that personally. 
um, because it is their work that they're being judged on. And when they're not getting that additional, um, you know, when, when people aren't recognizing that, it can kind of feel personal, like the, this is being directed at me, not necessarily my work. But in some cases, again, I go back to what I had said earlier that people, other people just don't necessarily understand what it takes to do what you do, especially in the design world. We see that a lot where people think it's simple to, to do quickly and, oh, it only took you like an hour to draw that mock-up. Well, you know, you spent, you know, 10, 15 years learning and honing your craft. So you could do that in an hour rather than five, six hours. And, you know, try not to take any of that personally when somebody doesn't like your work or, you know, sends back, you know, and wants changes or isn't recognizing you because they don't necessarily know that that is something that they should be doing. Now, I, I do believe in being open and honest, but a lot of people won't talk about those things as well, um, where I personally would try and, you know, change something in my work environment to see if we could, you know, meet, meet with upper management and be like, look, you know, if you want better productivity, better employees, better whatever, you know, these are some things that you could look at doing to help increase that. And that could, you know, make it better for yourself. It could make it better for others. But if they're not willing to work with you on that, then I would definitely look at even leaving and looking at somewhere else because being happy in your job is, is huge. And um, like you had mentioned earlier, how it affects you personally, how it affects your health, how it affects your work is another big thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize. And, you know, that can also help drive you out of a situation yeah. that where you're, you think you're a failure, but you're, you're really not like, it's, but you know, at, at times it's, at times you're in a situation where you have to put up with that kind of behavior and treatment and you're going to have to shut up and sit there in your corner, look pretty and do the work. And yeah. sometimes who knows if it's because you have bills to pay or your family to take care of it. Sometimes you can't really, afford well financially of course you can't afford that outburst or that statement and that's where each person has to look objectively at their situation and say well can i afford to say that can i afford to do that yeah. can i afford to walk away can i afford to lower my standards because this place doesn't respect me it's like it's such such a different situation for everybody it's hard to put it all under one umbrella Absolutely. I mean, there's some some overlap some common commonalities but it's different for every single person that's out there yeah and uh, I've always, a lot, a lot of people that know me, um, I, I have always been the, that I will always stand up for something that is right, even if I have the chance of being fired for it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather go work at McDonald's for minimum wage um, while I look for something else if I do get fired from another job because I stood up for what was right. Because while I'm flipping that burger at McDonald's, I know I did what was right and I stood up for what was right. And that's that's my 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 general personal like morals and beliefs when it comes to work. I will, even if it's not happening to me, I will stand up for somebody else to, to try and make it better. And, you know, well, I agree hopefully with it that. never comes to, <laughs> comes to the firing. It's never happened yet. I've had- Knock, knock on wood. Yes, <laughs> knock on some wood. And uh, hopefully uh, I can continue on with that. Uh, well, the company I work for now actually encourages employees to um, speak out at stuff. And they're absolutely amazing at taking feedback. Uh, even when it's possibly bad feedback, they'll, they'll look at it and they'll respond to it. They don't try and you know brush it under the, the rug or anything. And I think that's huge as an employee. Um, because that's a good company, I that's like a good company to work for. Absolutely. And 
I hope I continue to work for them uh, <laughs> for many years to come. All right, good. Uh, I'll send the good vibes and the good luck your way. There you go. <laughs> Thank Coming you. your way. Now, uh, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to see, um, do you have uh, one piece of advice that you can give to somebody that is currently struggling uh, to overcome their own either fear of failure or overcome a failure that they're currently in the middle of? Uh, you know, uh, if you could tell them one thing, what, what would that be? Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'll uh, paraphrase advice that I gave to my students when I was teaching in my previous uh, stint as a professor. Yeah, I was a very difficult, very challenging professor, but not difficult for the sake of being difficult and overloading students of homework. I was brutally honest. When it came time to play the good cup, bad cup, I was the bad cup, and the rest of the department was the good cup, usually, because my standards were so high. But once again, my standards are the same level of my own work. So I think that to pass on successful teaching and to mold a good designer, you had to set the same standards. And this is what I told my students. I said, if you're upset at me for giving you too much work or being too harsh uh, in grading your project or being too critical, for an hour, do anything you want to get your mind of things. If you want, get together with your fellow students, call me the worst names in the book in any language, I don't care. If you want to go curl up in a corner and ball your eyes out, do that for an hour. If you want to go hit a punching bag and put a picture of my face on it, you do that, that's fine, as long as it's not my actual face. Um, <laughs> You know, if you want to go in the gym and work off a sweat for an hour, do that. If you want to go have a chat with your family, do that. If you want to go have sex with your boyfriend, girlfriend for an hour and take your mind off things, do that. But whatever you do for an hour, use that hour wisely. Use it to take your mind off things, to get everything completely out of your system, all the bitching and moaning and, oh, boo-hoo, my professor is so tough. Get over it in an hour because if you do anything more than an hour, you're wasting time, you're wasting energy, and you're wasting all your effort that could potentially be used towards improving whatever failure you encounter. So to kind of compress that advice into something brief, if you fail or if you think you're failing, give yourself some grieving time. Get over it. Take an hour. Do anything you want to help you get those feels, the feelings, the thoughts, and emotions out. After that hour is done, say, okay, say to yourself, I'm done. I'm finished crying and whining and begging and bitching and moaning. Oh, pardon my, pardon my language. I said a bad word. For an hour, take your mind off things and finish it up and focus on what needs to be done, whether it's, whether it's work, whether it's a, mending a relationship with a loved one, whether it's a friendship, but focus on what needs to get done. Because if you spend time thinking about your failure and over, not analyzing, but overanalyzing, dissecting it and you know, brooding over it, you're wasting valuable time, which you could use to do something more positive. So go, take, give yourself an hour to get over any failure and then move on and do whatever needs to get done to make it a success. Pretty simple. Easier said than done, but it's actually pretty simple words to get used to it. Yes, de definitely easier said than done. Uh, if uh, if you are watching this and uh, you've tried that before and it's it's failed on you before, give it another <laughs> try. Maybe add some deep breathing, some yoga, some meditation. Um, it, it's definitely tough. It took me a lot of years uh, to become comfortable with failure. Um, to understand failure to the level that I do now and understand that it's not really a failure and it's it's a jumping point. Uh, my own personal slogan is sometimes a teacher, always a student. And I try and keep slogan. that in mind uh, whenever I, I run into something that's struggling. Take a walk, take a breather, do whatever, come back to it later if I have to. But uh, I hope that uh, your advice today and uh, some of your stories can help uh, push people through to their own successes. Let's hope so. I, can, uh, I hope uh, this wasn't a complete failure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I'm definitely not looking at it as a failure. I think it was an amazing success for today. And uh, uh, pretty soon I will have this up in podcast as well so people can uh, subscribe that way and hopefully uh, benefit some more people. 
All right, that'll be fantastic. And thank you for thank you for having me in the show and the chat. It's always nice to catch up and banter with you as well as talk about something as serious as failure and success. Absolutely. Thank you very much for uh, being a guest today, and uh, looking forward to episode next month. I'm still working on the on the guest, but uh, <laughs> uh, we'll definitely uh, let you guys know when it's happening. So, all right, everybody, thanks guys. for watching. Uh, see you guys later. Have a good weekend. Thank Great you very YouTube. much, guys. All right, have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.